Welcome to Better Food Stories, a show that celebrates real food and the people and companies who make it. I'm Audrea Greenhoff, and in this interview series, I'm sitting down with the entrepreneurs behind some of today's newest and most innovative food brands out there to find out what it really takes to make it in this highly competitive space. Welcome back. Thank you so much for joining me for episode 11 of the Better Food Stories podcast. I am your host, Audrea Greenhoff, and I have a fantastic interview that I am so excited to share with you this week. Do you like coffee? I know I do. And actually, over the last few months, I've been going in deep, you guys. I've been learning about different coffee regions and bean varieties and trying different specialty coffees from all over the world. And let me just tell you, it's kind of changed my life a little bit. That's why I'm particularly excited about this episode, because today I am chatting with Steve Hall, the co-founder and CEO of Tinker Coffee, a specialty coffee roaster located in Indianapolis. If you've ever wanted to learn more about the art of making specialty coffee, put on your seatbelts because Steve and I are going into the coffee nerd territory in this episode. In our conversation, we cover what goes into making a really great cup of coffee, how Steve went from working in the wine industry to starting his own coffee roasting company with his brother-in-law, how focusing on coffee education has not only helped Tinker sell more coffee, but also created a loyal following around their products, where Steve's favorite coffee region is in the world, and so much more. And make sure to stick around for the end of the episode to learn how to score a discount on Tinker's monthly coffee subscription, which gives you access to amazing and pretty exclusive coffee delivered to your door every month. As always, you can check out all the show notes for this episode and every episode of the Better Food Stories podcast on my website, adriagreenhoff.com. That's A-D-R-I-A, green like the color, H-A-U-F-F dot com. Now, on to my conversation with Steve Hall of Tinker Coffee. So Steve, thank you for joining me on Better Food Stories. I'm excited to talk to you today. Same here. Thanks for having me. You have an interesting um, background and road to your current position as co-founder of Tinker Coffee. But before we go into your, your background, tell me a little bit about uh, what you're doing now and what your uh, current company is all about. Sure. So Tinker Coffee, we are a specialty coffee roaster. Uh, we're located in Indianapolis. We're, we're right downtown in Indianapolis. And uh, we just do wholesale roasting now for different cafes and restaurants and offices and churches and all sorts of other businesses here in town. Uh, but we're actually getting ready to move into a new space. We're expanding our operations, and we're going to open up our first cafe in the new building. So we'll be cafe owners ourselves here before too long. So yeah, just um, you know, we're focused on on importing and uh, in roasting specialty coffee that uh, are the best we can get our hands on. That's really exciting. So I know you uh, on your website. There's a few different types of of coffee that you offer tell me about your different products currently and kind of maybe how they're they might be different from regular coffee that somebody might pick up somewhere we usually focus on about five or six single origin coffees at a time 
So single origin is kind of a, a bit of a nebulous term. A lot of times it can mean, you know, copy from a single farm. Um, it could also mean copy from a single co-op. Uh, it can also mean, you know, copy from a, a single village or region sometimes. It's kind of, uh, it doesn't have a great, I think, definition or a really hard and fast definition. But most of the farms that we work with are, again, single farms or single co-ops. Um, we, we do buy some regional lots as well that are, um, again, kind of combined lots from multiple um, co-ops. But um, yeah, like I said, generally we focus on single origin copies, so copy from a specific place that represents a specific flavor profile. Uh, and we also have a few blends that are uh, copies from multiple parts of the world. So those are blends we put together ourselves uh, based on flavor profiles that we really enjoy. So, um, you know, different coffees, it's, it's kind of like, um, you know, different types of apples or grapes, you know, there are different species and varieties of coffee plants and all of those varieties can have different flavor profiles. So you, you certainly get a different experience with coffees from different parts of the world. And, um, you know, the terroir of a specific country or region can also have an impact. So we have a pretty wide spectrum of flavor profiles available uh, at any time and also have a couple blends that we, we do, uh, again, for balance, but also for, um, for interesting flavor and complexity. So Nice. Yeah, I'm noticing a lot um, in the coffee space. It's, it's like a lot of the other food spaces that there are more brands coming up that are offering so, sort of smaller batch or this artisan kind of style of options. And there is a fair deal of educating the average customer, which I know is a big part of Tinker Coffee. So tell me how you've been doing that and how has that changed uh, between from when you first started to now? Yeah, education is a big piece. It's... Um you know, I, I think the difference once you actually taste a cup of specialty coffee is pretty easy to understand. Uh, generally for us, you know, people that we've spoken to or that, you know, if we ever do a sampling event, people will say like, oh, well, I, I don't need cream or sugar or anything in, in your coffee. Whereas before, you know, I needed to, to doctor it up. Um, there, there's definitely a quality difference that comes through in the cup. So, um, you know, taste is, is really the best way to experience the difference, but also just understanding why a specific coffee is different or, or why it might have a different flavor profile uh, or what flavor profiles are even possible is a big thing for us to help educate our customers on. So we uh, have been doing cupping classes at our shop here for uh, the last four years, essentially. Um, and, and cupping is basically how we as coffee roasters evaluate coffee. So it's how we determine which coffees we're going to buy. It's how we do, we check our QC for different roasts. Um, but it's this process where you grind up coffee and you smell it and then you actually brew it kind of uh, in an unfiltered way. It's just coffee and water interacting and you're able to smell the coffee as it's brewing and then tasting it. And it's just a pure kind of, you know, raw way to experience a coffee. Uh, so we, we go through that process with people in the cupping classes and let them experience three really unique and different coffees. And, and after going through one of those classes, it's really fun to see people's eyes light up. And, and as they you know experience maybe a copy from Guatemala versus a copy from Ethiopia, and they really get to uh, you know get a good sense for what those differences in flavor profiles might be. All of a sudden, this, this whole world of specialty coffee kind of opens up and they're able to explore a little bit more on their own. So that's a big thing, just um, you know, helping people understand that, uh, that there's just a lot of different flavors 
out there available. And it's not just, you know, coffee is not just coffee. It's more than, it's more than that. So that's a huge piece. Absolutely. And are you finding that your customers are sort of coffee people already coffee connoisseurs of sorts, or are you getting a fair amount of people who are new to coffee, specialty coffee and wanting to, to learn more about it? We get all kinds, you know, there are certainly people that come in the shop and you can kind of tell they, you know, go to whatever coffee shop or coffee roaster is in the town that they're visiting. Just the way that they're talking or kind of a, you know, a, a sense of some of the words that they use. You can, you can get a sense for how, how nerdy someone is, but you know, we get a lot of people that come in and say, Hey, I, I like dark roast coffee. You know, what's your dark roast? And we would tell them, well, we don't do dark roasts, but uh, this is a coffee that has a nice full body. It's nutritionally flavor profiled. You know, it's maybe got some really great chocolatey notes or maybe some nuttiness. I think this one will be kind of the closest uh, to what you're used to. And uh, it, it's good to have those coffees that can kind of get somebody in the door. You know, you want to meet people halfway. You don't want to have all these crazy coffees from Kenya and Ethiopia and, and elsewhere that are just um, – a little bit more unique in their flavor profile. It's nice to have some coffees that uh, that people can come in and try and enjoy, even if they're just kind of starting their their journey in coffee, or if they've only been drinking you know coffee out of a can for their whole life. So yeah, we get all kinds. I love that. I grew up in Miami. I still live here in Miami, so I grew up um, drinking Cuban coffee from a very long uh, young age. Um, yeah. So we're all about that dark, you know, super strong espresso shot. But I'm, I'm newly into exploring coffee, um, you know, specialty coffee. I have a friend who has been teaching me a lot about, like you're mentioning, the different beans. And, you know, she, she buys whole beans and grinds them. And it's been a totally different experience for me experiencing coffee with her. Um, it's almost like you would explore wine or my husband's really into craft beer. So I kind of make that comparison with, with the specialty coffee. I know you're a former wine guy. So tell me how that journey went. Yeah. So yeah, and you're absolutely right. I mean, that was one of the reasons why we thought that Tinker could be successful here in Indy was because craft beer had taken off so strongly. You know, we thought, well, people, once people understand and get to try you know, craft beer, it's, it's hard to kind of go back, you know, once yes. you realize how many really. different flavors are out there. So yeah, that was one thing that really gave us a little bit more confidence as we kind of struck out on our own that, you know, the way people have responded to beer, you know, we, we think they'll respond the same way to coffee once they understand, you know, what's going on in the cup. So I'm glad to hear you say that, but, um, yeah. So as far as wine goes, I, um, I worked at a vineyard in upstate New York when I was in college and, uh, got to experience, a lot of the ins and outs of winemaking, and then I transitioned that into a career in wine. I was I was selling wine uh, in both Boston and Chicago right out of college, and uh, got to do a ton of really great sensory uh, experiences. You know, I got to taste a bunch of you know not only wines from all over the world through my through my career, but also uh, you know spirits. I was working for a distributor that uh, that not only sold wine but also some spirits. You get to just taste a bunch of different things and really train your palate to, uh, to pick up on more of the nuances in, in beverages like that. And, and that was a huge help when, when Jeff and I started Tinker, you know, just having that little bit of sensory background so you could really kind of focus in on what you were smelling, what you were tasting and being able to, to translate that into words is, uh, is a great kind of, um, it was just a great background. It was really helpful for me, uh, as we, as we started the business. 
and also beverage sales too. You know, just um, it's it's really fun to start a business, but you really also have to you have to sell. <laughs> you of know course. what you're what you're producing. You've got to make money so that you can stay in business. So having that experience in uh, in wine sales was really helpful as I went around to different uh, restaurants and cafes and could talk to to chefs and business owners about what we were doing and how we were different. So that was great experience on a couple different levels. I love that. So when it comes to Tinker and the origins, um, how did that idea initially come to life? And what was the first thing that you did once you had um, this idea of starting this business? So the idea kind of formulated. um, So I started the business with my brother-in-law. His name's Jeff. And um, at the time, you know, in early 2014 and even kind of leading up to 2014, uh, Jeff had been working at IBM. He was traveling all over the country and all over the world and uh, had started to develop this passion for specialty coffee. And I liked coffee. I, I knew you know a little bit about it, but I certainly wasn't kind of clued into what specialty coffee was. Mm-hmm. But um, Jeff would come back from his trips and, and have all these great coffees with him and he would share it with the rest of the family. And uh, we just got to experience, you know, new coffees through Jeff. And he was, you know, like I said, doing a lot of traveling and kind of getting tired of the grind of, of traveling and, and was ready to do something different. And I was kind of also at that same stage where I wanted to do something entrepreneurial. So we got our heads together and we were like, man, you know, we really enjoy coffee and there's no one really doing coffee the way we would want to do it in Indianapolis. And we thought, well, you know, what if we just dove headfirst into the coffee industry and learned everything we could about it and, and just gave it our best shot. Like, you know, do you think we could be successful? And, and ultimately we, we thought we had a pretty good chance at being successful. So we just dove right into the industry and bought a roaster and started roasting on it. Having, having never roasted coffee before whatsoever, we roasted, you know, started roasting on a 12 kilo roaster. And, uh, it took us a long time to kind of get to a point where we had a product that we were proud of and and comfortable, you know, putting out in the market. It took us about I would say five months or so, um, just roasting and, and kind of practicing and sampling and, and tasting and cupping just to really get a sense for what we could do with the coffee roaster. But, you know, finally in November of 2014, we had something that we were proud of and we, uh, we officially launched the business. So it was, a uh, it was one of those things where we just, um, we wanted to bring something, we wanted to kind of elevate the, the coffee culture in our town and, um, just had to, put in the work to do it, but it's, it's been received really well. So that's, that's a, a good confirmation that, you know, we, we were right about what people, you know, were interested in around town. Yeah, definitely. So right now you are, um, predominantly wholesale. I see you also mm-hmm. sell on your website too. You ship mm-hmm. out and you're opening a cafe space. So tell me about when it comes to planning your marketing and your branding, what is that you know, single message that you want to uh, connect with your customers? What is that message? And how has that affected what you're doing on social media and how you're, you know, packaging and your everything about your brand? Mm-hmm. I think when it comes to marketing, one of the things that frustrates us, at least in coffee, is that, um, you know, there's kind of the, um, you can imagine like the, the the hipster barista kind of like meme just the you know yeah. like coffee can be pretentious you know like we we didn't want any of that I mean we we take coffee really 
seriously and we want to help people understand what they can do to get that really amazing experience at home. But we don't want to talk over people's heads or just, you know, be snobby about it. So we, we've always kind of taken a little bit more down to earth approach and, and really wanted to let our voice as a company come through in our marketing. So I think, you know, some of the companies that we admire, especially in coffee, that are able to do that kind of speak with an authentic voice uh, and, and really be themselves on social media and through all their marketing channels. Those are the ones that really have the best chance, I think, to connect with customers. So that's what we've tried to do. I, I think, you know, there's a great, actually, uh, a roaster in Florida called King State. And they, without a doubt, also speak like their, it's their voice, you know, in all of their social media channels. It's a different voice than us, um, but that's what's important, you know, sure. um, so long as you're authentic. So, yeah, I, I think that, that um, I hate to use the word authenticity because I feel like that's so, you know, played out. But just, you know, feeling like we were writing a, a social media post or an email or anything from our voice as we would write an email to any of our friends or or anything like that. Just having that real kind of personal connection with a real human being and, and not just some like pretentious coffee or, you know, coffee company. That was really important to us. So. For sure. What do you think has been both maybe most surprising or maybe most challenging about getting into this space? Maybe something you didn't expect. Well, you know, it was, it was interesting. We, we learned the industry and we're certainly still learning a ton every day, but like, piece by piece, you know, the first thing was how do we, how do we roast coffee? You know, how do you get green coffee and how do you turn it brown so that it actually has a nice full body and it's delicious? You know, how do you roast in a way that develops the coffee appropriately? And once we kind of got a sense for that, then it was, okay, how do we, how do we source coffee in a way that allows us to find uh, extremely unique and delicious coffees? You know, how do we work with different importers to, to find those coffees? How do we sample them? How do we cup them? How do we evaluate them? So that was like, you know, a huge piece and now it's um, a lot of our education is on the, um, I would say, maybe like customer support side of things. Okay. You know, we um, as a wholesale roaster, we have to train our staff. We have to help them understand what's going on with the machines that they're working on, uh, you know, how to, how to use them appropriately, how to keep them in good working order, how to fix them when they break. So it's always, you know, a new challenge, a new set of, of um of challenges. I think the next thing for us will be, you know, running a cafe, you know, when we get ready to launch our cafe kind of later in the year, um, you know, working through ticket times and making sure drinks come out quick, but also really delicious and, uh, and finding ways to use technology in interesting ways, you know, that'll be the next big challenge for us. So yeah, there's always going to be something down the road. You know, it's also, um, as we as expand in the cafe, then it's, um, uh, you know, the challenge of, of hiring more people and, and um, just keeping the, the culture really um, on point, I think, with the company. So, yeah, lots of fun business challenges ahead. Yeah, definitely. And that kind of segues into my next question. I know that you guys are in Indianapolis. You've been focusing a lot on, um, you mentioned kind of the idea of, and the beginning was to sort of bring a specialty, like a good specialty coffee option to your city. I know Indianapolis, like you mentioned, has been growing in the craft beer space. It's been growing as far as like a hot city for, for food and restaurants. What do you think is most exciting about being in that city in today's food landscape? 
Well, that's a good question. I think, um, I think the thing that's most exciting to us, and this is really, this is kind of a broad answer, but I think it, it's, it's true is, um, you know, when my wife and I, we, we both went to grad school in Cleveland and we moved from Cleveland to Indy in 2011. And when we got here in 2011, it was, Cleveland was ahead of Indy in terms of its food culture, you know, food and beverage and everything else. It was just like a, a more developed scene out there. But Indy has come along really, really strongly in the last five years and kind of elevated um, everyone's expectations of food and also of design and just what's expected out of a, a restaurant here in town. So I think the most exciting thing for us in town is just that the bar has been raised so much more. You know, it's not it's not enough to just have a an interesting concept or to to produce you know a, a good looking dish. You've got to have the dish that you know. You've got to have a social media presence that makes everything you know that showcases how exciting your food is. You've got to have a great you know well built out space. You've got to just connect with customers on a really personal level. You've got to have, ex- have exceptional hospitality. So the fact that you know, we're no longer just okay with um, whatever run-of-the-mill hospitality uh, or food program uh, might be put out there. That's really exciting. I think just the fact that we're we're, we're taking everything more seriously and have a, a different sense of what's possible, that's exciting for me. Because um, it, it seems like in coffee especially, you know, um, you know there, there's a lot of talk about like waves in coffee. So second wave was kind of when, you know, Starbucks really started to expand all over the country and people started to feel more comfortable spending a little bit more on a cup of coffee. And then the third wave kind of popped up where, you know, there was a lot of manual brewing happening and specialty coffee was really taking off. And there's always talk about, you know, what the next wave will be. But I just think that, you know, the fact that people are, are okay and understanding of, um, you know, the quality, the, the care and time and effort that it goes in, that goes into putting a really good cup of coffee in front of someone is really important and also understanding the supply chain. So yeah, I think just the fact that the, um, the whole industry is, is elevated is my, my favorite thing about the food culture here. Love that. And what is your favorite when it comes to coffee? I'm curious, what's your cup of choice? Oh, like favorite region or, um, like where my favorite coffee comes from. Yeah, sure. So I really like I really like Kenyan coffees. Um, Kenyan coffees can tend to be a little bit more acidic and just really complex. The um, a lot of people in coffee will talk about the coffee that like kind of changed their world, <laughs> or you know, a coffee that like really opens their eyes when it comes to um, to you know what coffee can be. And I, I had a Kenyan coffee from from Madcap in 2014 that just completely blew my mind. I had never tasted like uh, a, such a significant and like clear, like plum note in a coffee, just mm-hmm. like that delicious, like plum, like in the summertime. Um, so that one really stuck with me and that was a Kenyan coffee, but I also really like Guatemalan coffees. I feel like the more we sample coffees from Guatemala, the more they just um, can showcase a really interesting uh, spectrum of flavor profiles. So I, I, I've been really reaching for a lot of Guatemalan coffees lately. Nice. I love that you say that. That's one of my favorites too. Um, and I also love uh, Costa Rican coffee. There's uh, a, a, a yeah. place by my house that has um, co- they they let you choose where your beans are from. So 
they have like Brazil, I think uh, Colombia, you know, Sumatra, like Sumatra beans, all of those. And mm-hmm. I keep, I keep reaching for that Costa Rica. So I'm, yeah, it's, you know, similar, similar landscape to, to Guatemala. So I don't know. I think it, for me, that's a, my favorite as far as like all the balance goes. Nice. Well, Costa Rica does a really great job. They, they have a lot of, I mean, first of all, they have a lot of great like governmental programs that, um, that are geared towards sustainability. And, um, they also have some great governmental programs that ensure that farmers receive, uh, a really high share of whatever price the coffee is, is exported at. They're just, Costa Rica is, um, they're doing things the right way as a country goes, it seems for sure. Yeah. Very cool. So I'm glad to hear that as well. I want to switch gears a little bit and talk more about you and your journey into entrepreneurship. Talk to me about, you know, little Steve, when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? I wanted to be a baseball player. <laughs> cool. That was my number one dream. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I just, uh, I didn't quite, I didn't quite get there, but that's okay. I, um, yeah, no, I, I loved playing sports growing up and I always wanted to be a baseball player, but I always felt like, um, uh, you know, when I would think about what I wanted to do and even going through like, you know, in middle school and high school where you go through and like take a survey or some, you know, questionnaire, um, it would always come back like with something entrepreneurial, you know, some kind of like business owner or whatever. So I felt like I always had that kind of itch to, to have my own business, to do my own thing, to be my own boss. And, um, it was just, it was really lucky I think for me to to the way my life kind of like planned out and panned out you know that um I got to meet Jeff and we got to start this business together it kind of seems like the the stars aligned a little bit for that but yeah I always felt like I wanted to be a an entrepreneur before we wrap up um I have some fun sort of off-topic rapid fire style questions for you are you up for those Oh yeah. Okay. Bring them on. Awesome. Let's start with number one. What's your favorite day of the week and why? So does everybody just say Friday? Is that like the, or maybe Saturday? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, um, I, well, you know, Friday's great. Of course, like, uh, you're, you're looking forward to a weekend. I mean, when you're, when you're a business owner, when you're an entrepreneur, like you, we all work seven days a week, you know, it's not like you get a weekend. <laughs> so sure. it's not like, um, you know, all the days kind of blend together, but I think I like, I like Monday too. You know, Monday is a good way to like set the tone for the week. You know, for us, Mondays are really big production days, getting coffee roasted and bagged up and staged so that it can be delivered on Tuesday. So, so Mondays are nice too. just, um, you know, kind of setting the tone for the week and, and making you feel good about the, the product that you're putting out in the world. So I'll say Monday and Monday and Saturday. <laughs> I love it. And it's funny that a lot of people, a lot more than I expected, have said Monday. Um, really? Kind of for the same reason. You know, it's like a clean slate. You're starting new. You can execute on new ideas. Um, so, yeah, it's been interesting. People have said all kinds of days of the week. But, yeah, Monday has been one that people seem to get excited about. Nice. Okay, so number two, what is the last TV show or movie that you watched? Uh, I just finished – Ozark season two oh, yesterday. So that one was, uh, that was good. I, uh, I, of course, like anytime I finish a series like that, I then like spend like two hours on my phone, just like reading all the, yeah. like the season reviews and like recaps from like all the different blogs. So of course I, I was up later than I wanted to be last night, just reading all the recaps, but it was a good show. I'm, I'm excited to see what happens with season three. It's been fun to watch that series. 
Yeah, I st- my husband and I started watching it. We're still on season one. Um, there's a lot of shows that, you know, to keep up with. So we oh. haven't finished it as fast as I wanted to. I keep threatening that I'm going to just keep going. You know, like I'm like, right. hey, if we don't do this, I'm going to move on without you. So <laughs> <laughs> yep. I haven't yet, but um, gotta he's got to get on board or I'm going to keep going because we're almost done with the first season and I, I like it. Yeah, it's a good show. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's one of those. It's like Breaking Bad. You know, you kind of just keep wanting to oh, yeah. watch another one. You know, afterwards you get sucked into it. Totally, totally cool. I love that. Number three, if you could only eat three foods for the rest of your life, what would they be? Well, tacos for sure. Uh, that that's kind of um, I guess that's kind of broad, but we're a big uh, we're a big taco people here at Tinker. We actually so without a cafe. We, we get people that come in the shop all the time expecting like a coffee shop mm-hmm. and we always have coffee brewed and uh, we're able to just, you know, give people a cup of coffee if they come in and, and want to try something. And if we ever get tips, we put the tips into a folder, which is the taco fund. And when we get enough money in the taco fund, we get tacos for the entire crew. So Fine. tacos are a big food for us here, but also like, I just, I love tacos. So <laughs> that's one for sure. Um, I'm also big into chicken wings. Ooh, Growing right. up, we would always go like it was maybe maybe once a month, maybe twice a month. We would go as a family to this chicken wing spot. I, I grew up in Atlanta, and we would always go to this place called Wings and Things. And it was just like you know, just like classic buffalo wing. I just I love them. I could eat like a hundred of them. I feel like <laughs> so those are two. <laughs> and then my third. Um, is uh it's got to be like a wedge salad like a just like a big old piece of lettuce with like great dressing and like a bunch of bacon and cherry tomatoes that's just like that's it for me so tacos chicken wings and wedge salad like super healthy right just like solid solid choices (laughs) it's all about comfort when it comes to your favorite (laughs) foods definitely and number four what's one thing most people would never guess about you Ooh. um that is a good question. Um, man, um, I, I don't know. I guess maybe like, uh, you know, like I was an athlete growing up um, and I, um, you know, I, I played baseball in college. So I, I, I don't think I ever really associated as like a jock, but like maybe uh, people could think that. But like I'm really big into yoga and like meditation and like <laughs> um mindfulness i guess so like i I like to think of myself sometimes as like i want to be like a zen master someday so like maybe the fact that i'm like big into yoga and all that (laughs) might be uh might be surprising to some people i like that yeah that's good answer that's yeah cool and i kind of just thought up of one more so i don't mean to to throw a curveball at you but i wanted to ask this before it for someone new to coffee is there any advice is there anything that you see people do often that makes you kind of want to cringe uh when you see people preparing their coffee um well you know like uh, one thing that it's kind of funny we we talk about this a lot in training especially but when you when you get to know coffee and, and train coffee a little bit one thing that you'll you'll notice wherever you go is you know, when you go to a cafe, you can hear people steaming milk. Like yes. you can think of that sound. Yes. Um, it's very clear to someone in coffee, like how well the milk is being steamed. So if you hear it and it's just like, 
screaming like they've got the steam wand, you know, touching the bottom of the pitcher, or if it's way too high and it's just completely aerating the milk. Um, whenever I go into a space or a, a cafe or a restaurant and I can hear the milk being steamed improperly, it's like nails on a chalkboard. <laughs> <laughs> it's like really frustrating, you know, cause you can, you can hear, it's like something that only, it's like a dog whistle almost that like you hear, but nobody else right. hears or nobody else knows like what they're hearing. So that's one thing. Um, but you know, um, at, at home, um, I, I think the, um, the thing that, maybe frustrates us in specialty coffee is just the use of, of disposable K cups. That's kind of frustrating. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I understand the convenience a hundred percent, but the problem is that to, to make a really delicious cup of coffee, you, you just need to pay attention to how you're extracting the coffee. And you can do that by the length of time that you brew, you know, how you brew, how you agitate, um, how you pour the water or, or how the water is, is sent over, you know, just like in a Mr. Coffee or whatever, how the coffee's ground, all those factors. And K-Cup just says like none of the, like you just take away all of the variables that yeah. affect how well coffee is brewed in the sake of convenience. And it's, it's never good. You know, it's yeah. really just a convenience thing. So I, I totally understand that people sometimes just need a cup of coffee and they need to plug in a little thing and go, but for us, we say like just even if you got a, a decent coffee maker, you know, just drip coffee maker and got a grinder, you'll be able to make coffee that's a hundred times better than anything that comes out of a pod. So just a little bit of effort goes a long way. But yeah, K cups, they kind of they kind of hurt us inside a little bit. Yeah, no, we had we had a Keurig <laughs> for for a while, and we ended up returning it. We did not like the coffee at all. It just it didn't taste good to us. And we recently. Um, started making pour over. I make it sometimes on Sundays because I had it at a cafe and I fell in love with it and now I make it at home. And nice. it's it makes such a difference. I had no idea. Like I would see it and I didn't know what it was and then I had some and now I'm obsessed with it. So I make it at home. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's so important just, you know, like I said that little bit of care, you know, and understanding too like the variables that go into um you know, brewing a really great cup of coffee versus a, a not so great cup of coffee. Once you understand those, um, like the whole world, whole world opens up. You can make a delicious cup of coffee at home with a little tiny bit of effort. So sure. Well, this has been yeah. great. I had so much fun chatting with you. Uh, before yeah, we sign off, where can people learn more about Tinker Coffee and you and the team? Yeah, so TinkerCoffee.com. Uh, super easy. We're Tinker Coffee on basically every social media channel. So, um, follow us on Instagram. Uh, we always have fun little things going on there, little discounts and free shipping deals. Uh, but yeah, everything's at tinkercoffee.com. Uh, oh, one thing I'll mention too, we have a, a really cool subscription. So we send, uh, two, three or four bags, uh, out to folks all over the country once a month. And yeah. in that subscription, we always have a subscriber exclusive coffee. So we source one coffee just for the subscription. It doesn't go anywhere else to wholesale or anything like that. So that's a really fun way to try not only whatever coffees are newest to us, but also one coffee that we've sourced just for subscribers. So you can check all that out on the website. There's a, a link at the top for the subscription. Um, and uh, there's also a little discount code on our Instagram page. So check that out and you can save 25% on your subscription. Awesome. <laughs> little plug. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> well, there you have it. 
I hope you enjoyed this interview. If you want to check out more interviews in the Better Food Stories series, you can follow me at Audrea Greenhoff on Medium or visit AudreaGreenhoff.com. I'm also Audrea Greenhoff on Twitter and Instagram. 